If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Terry McLaurin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today, a young man I've been following for quite some time, uh, covering uh, fantasy football, fantasy baseball. His name is Steve Gardner. He's the senior fantasy editor at USA Today Sports. So we got a big timer on here, a big hitter. You follow him on Twitter. At Steve A. Gardner, no extra E between the N or the D and the the N. No, uh, or an I. Some people throw an I in there too, but uh, no, as my wife likes to say, no extra letters. (laughs) No, no, no extra letters uh, here for Steve Gardner. He has uh, he has going on sale on July twenty seventh, hitting hitting newsstands. Uh, all over the country, uh, the the uh, USA Today Sports Weekly uh, magazine, and that is going to be a fantasy football preview. Do you, do you want to talk about it? Kind of what you're doing before we get into sure. it. Sure, Alex. Thanks for having me on too. This is this is great. Um, it's it's basically if you're familiar with sports Sports Weekly, it's uh, you know newspaper size tabloid. Um, I think it's going to be 48 pages, something like that, and it's basically the most up to date fantasy football preview uh, publication you can get. We're going to put it to bed on that Thursday before it comes out on the 27th of this month. And um, it's going to have everything, latest rankings, uh, experts mock drafts, all sorts of strategy articles and uh, capsules for players, rankings, everything. So um, get your hands on that if you're, you're ready to draft. It's you know probably a, a month or so before most people draft, which should give you plenty of time to plan. So watch for it, USA Today, Sports Weekly, uh, on newsstands, wherever you buy newspapers. So convenience stores, grocery stores, uh, wherever. It's just anywhere. Crazy. Uh, and, and, and of course, Roster Watch Nation, please mobilize, unite. Give our friend Steve Gardner a follow on Twitter uh, at Steve A. Gardner so you can be kept up to date with updates regarding that publication and everything else he has going on. One of the things that both of us have going on is we're, we're part of uh, the Scott Fishbowl League. Of well, I mean, I don't even know how many participants he has in this damn uh, thing these days. In the thousands, I think. Yeah, uh, but. I don't know where you are. I figured we start out just talking a little bit about Scott Fishbowl, my team. Uh, I'm I ended up picking in the 12 hole in my league. And for th- those who might not know, this is just a, a big sort of tournament style, um, early um, 
very sometimes weird rules league, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's it's put together by Scott Fish, who's one of our um, one of our cohorts over there at the, the Series X and Fantasy Sports Channel, and also I believe runs Safe Leagues and some of the other stuff they have going on with the um, I believe the fan is it uh, Fan Hub or uh, one of the, it's the you know League Safe. It's the company that owns all those guys. Is Scott Fish is associated with them? I do believe. Mm-hmm. And also just an all around great guy in the community because a lot of, you know, a lot of what we do to, for our inch, our entry fee into this league is generally some of us will donate to fantasy cares, which is a great, great, um, yes, indeed. Uh, a great charity that gives, uh, you know, toys to kids at Christmas and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a really awesome display from the fantasy community, but the, but the, the, uh, settings this year, as far as scoring aren't as weird as they were last year when it was just, I mean, what was it? You got a five-point bonus for 50 y- yards receiving, or like it was video game scoring last year. This year, he's kind of brought it back a little bit, but we do still have some of the things that are very typical Scott Fishbowl. It's super flex. Um, there are lots of flex positions. Uh, it is tight end premium, so I believe right. it's half-point PPR for everybody except tight ends, except tight ends will get full point. PPR. Yep. Um, we also get a half point per first down, which is I'd like to hear kind of what you think about some of these rules or if there are certain players that you're targeting because of them. And then the other thing is uh, the completion percentage comes into play for quarterbacks. Uh, you get, I believe it's uh, like a point per half a point per completion or minus a quarter point per incompletion or something like along those lines. Um, and then there's uh, so you you want guys to complete. Um, I believe when I did the math originally, I thought to myself, all right, I think I need a guy with about a 66.6% completion percentage. Yeah, I think you're right. And this Drew Brees just shoots up in this particular format, which, um, you know, normally if you're drafting in a, in a normal 12-team mock draft and you wait on quarterbacks, um, even in a super flex, I think you're waiting for, for Drew Brees. But he's a borderline first round, like first round, second round player in, uh, in these drafts. In fact, I was in the 10 spot in my draft. So you and I are kind of the same area of the, right. uh, of the draft grid. He was gone before my second pick. So, yeah. I mean, that's, Whoa. that's kind of where this, you know, it, it does make quarterback just a, a super high risk, high reward kind of position, which again, as you said, this is some weird wacky rules and it makes it fun uh, just trying to navigate things and, and, figure out maybe what the strategies are that will work in this particular league, as opposed to, you know, your, your home league. The more I'm thinking about it, the more I, the more I realize that maybe I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go about my <laughs> quarterbacks the right way because um, I, just, I got a bunch of these things going on. It's, it's just, it, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to put all your, put all your brain into every, you know, every, every one of these drafts or these best ball leagues. And it's just, how long it, it, are you in your draft? I'm. Well, I picked at twelve, so I, I have my first four picks. So at the, okay. at, at the in superflex, generally the strategy that I've liked to take um, is if say I'm picking at the end of the round and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are gone, which they're going to be. Hmm. Um, I, I I've found that if I wait to the three four to uh, the three four turn, I can usually. It's what I did in this draft. I I, I was like maybe if I wait to three four turn, I, I could. I could maybe end up getting like a Matt Ryan, um, you know, uh, say like a Matt Ryan, Josh Allen combo and just lock up 
quarterback. Uh, having gone at the beginning, Derek, Derek Henry and Devontae Adams both fell. It seems like a good strategy to maybe start out with a balance right there between my RB1, my wide receiver one. And then mm-hmm. what happened at the 3-4 turn was there, there were still some good players left on the board there just because of all the quarterbacks that went. But I saw that Josh Allen was still available. I saw that Daniel Jones was still available. And I said, I'm just going to go ahead and take care of this right now. I feel like both those guys, even with their issues with the completion percentage, uh, could be able, should be able to make up to, for it with any you know first downs that they could generate through their legs mm-hmm. or anything they can. You know, we know what Josh Allen's been able to do the last two years as a rushing quarterback. Kind of not as valuable in this league where the completion percentage. You know, both those guys came in as wildly erratic quarterbacks that were value. They were evaluated in a lot the same way, man. Like both those guys were really. Um, you know, my co-host Byron he called it. Um, he said it was egregious what the fantasy community and what the scouting community was saying about uh, Josh Allen in particular. Uh-huh. Just the, the fact that he, you know, before he even got, he was buried before he ever even got started, right? And he's been a much better fantasy asset than even we ever thought. But yeah, maybe for this, maybe for this kind of format, <laughs> he's, you know, <laughs> some of the issues that people had with him, his, you know, per- particular the accuracy and the and the erratic arm. Um, maybe does bring him down a little bit in, in this format to some of the levels that, that people had talked about then. So that's how I started. I'm only four picks in. Um, and uh, do you know what, man, as I'm looking to probably what's going to happen to me here at the five, you're going to be runs, on the clock while we're talking, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> think so, uh, but it, I can, I, I think I'm like, I'm, I'm about seven picks out, but I can already tell they're going to be, there's going to be some players here left. Like Dave, what if David Johnson's still on the board? That like, it, it looks like he might still be on the board. There's some interesting players oh, that yeah. I wouldn't have thought were uh, going to be able to stick around. How, how, how about you? How did you get your start? What do you think of your squad? Um, I was, I was drafting from the number 10 spot. I took Michael Tom. Thomas in the first round, he was he was there, and you know, number one consensus wide receiver. I would have figured I would take the value where it came. Uh, took uh, Dak Prescott in round two to get my you know elite quarterback in this format. Uh, yep. A couple of running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was there in the third round. Leonard Fournette was there in the fourth round, um, and I think the one where people may just say, "What the heck are you thinking?" Uh, we're through six rounds, so I have my fifth round pick. I took Ryan Tannehill because there were so many quarterbacks off the board. There were, let's see, 15 already off the board by this point in round five. And um, see, oh, we have a phone call here. We may have another draft pick signed. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, no, but I took Tannehill and, you know, great completion percentage last year. Also runs the ball. Um, you know, rushing touchdowns are huge. And mm-hmm. I, I liked it even more because... A.J. Brown was still available in the sixth round. And I think that's what, if you're watching this and you're in the uh, the Scott Fishbowl, wide receivers are just plummeting. Even the great ones are, I'm just amazed at the value you can get in the later rounds because uh, I think everybody is pushing them down and down their draft uh, boards and some great values are coming. Scott Fishbowl, a big tournament style kind of game. You you play within your own league and you play for bragging rights within the own league and then the division and the conference. But, you know, at the end of this thing, a champion is crowned and being able to pair Ryan Tannehill. We, we talk about all the time, you know, we talk about stacking in DFS, we talk about stacking in best ball. We, we've we've um, it, it's something that, you know, it's become part of the part of the like the well-known lexicon of how you play mm-hmm. right in those in those formats but a format like i mean 
people don't talk. You, you can you can stack and redraft whenever it's a sort of a tournament style format like 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 this. I mean, it's kind of go big right. or go home. You kind of like to have that connection there. And you started out with, I mean, to be able to get. Uh, to be able to get cl- so that's the LSU running back team, huh? So like Clyde, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right, Leonard that's Fournette. a great point. Um, it used to be, to be Georgia running backs were the uh, were the key, but now LSU. Right. So with Clyde, how comfortable are you um, in a rookie running back coming into now? On one hand, we have we have the Andy Reid system, we have the Andy mm-hmm. Reid corollary, which like. He produces RB1 after RB1 after RB1. He's talked about this guy being better than Brian Westbrook. Brent Veach has said he's better than Brian Westbrook. That's how we see him. They select, and they, it's, it's, it's not just lip service. They, they've showed right. us how they felt by taking him in the first round with their first available pick in this draft. He was the guy that Patrick Mahomes wanted. He caught 55 footballs last year uh, on one of the best college offenses we've ever seen. He is small. He's diminutive. Um, he's, I mean, he's not – probably going to have as much time in an offseason. He's not going to have as much time as an, in an offseason no. program to be able to learn the, learn the offense, to be able to learn how to pass protect, how you take the obvious pros where you're like, Holy cow. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I could have the primary runner in this offense. That's going to be the most right. prolific offense in the league, but he's a rookie. Damian Williams is still there. How do you, how do you weigh it all out? Well, I think from, you know, an upside standpoint, uh, Edward Solaire is just is fabulous. I mean, the best possible scenario, and we were saying this on draft night even, um, where could you want otherwise? I mean, that was it was the perfect right. position for him. Um, and he doesn't really have to do a whole lot because the Chiefs offense is such a big play offense. And, you know, you get a couple of big, you know, chunk plays down the field touchdowns they're going to score so many of those i mean the, the the he's wide open to be able to make uh great strides in his rookie season you know he's a little bit bigger even than brian westbrook so i, I think that's even a plus for him damian williams is still going to get uh, his certainly his share of carries and and touches in that backfield maybe it's a possibility. I think Damian Williams is still on the board for me later on in this draft. So pairing them up, you could start both of those and not in really league. worry too much and still get plenty of value. So I think that um, th- they are going to coexist just fine in that Kansas City Chiefs backfield. And again, if we're talking about you know winning your particular home league, maybe it's a risky pick. But for something like this, where there's an overall competition, you want those guys that are, are high upside, and certainly he has a huge ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you're shooting for the you're shooting for the moon with him. The ceiling, I, and then if we just think about it, what that's like you bring it up. What's the what what is the like what? Sometimes I think to myself more not in a league like this, but maybe if I'm just thinking to myself, like you mentioned, in our home leagues, what's mm-hmm. the worst case scenario? And I think that the worst case scenario, given everything is probably him having like a Miles Sanders type of season to where it's like at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, he doesn't necessarily help you that much. And maybe by the end of the season when he's really kicking ass, right. you, know, you, you could you could be out of it because he, because he was giving you, you know, bad production at the very beginning. Uh, I, but I think that that's, prob- that's probably the worst that I can imagine given – I mean, they spent right. a first-round pick on a guy that's very, very talented. It seems to tailor – tailor-made for the exactly what they want to do so it's um sometimes you just gotta 
Sometimes <laughs> you just got to, you know, sack up and make the pick, man, that you think exactly. you can go big. So I, I definitely like it. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you is just sort of your level of confidence in certain running backs. And maybe we can just go to that since, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Leonard Fournette. Let's just say, let's just say like on a one to 10 scale, your, okay. your, your level of trust in these guys. Where where are you? So you pick Leonard Fournette? Does that necessarily mean that you that you trust him? Can we can we really expect now that they've brought in um, you know Chris Thompson? They've brought in Lavisca Chenault, who's a who's a rookie that um, you know showed during his time in college. He he could take over football games playing everywhere. He could play out of the backfield. He could play at tight end. He could play out wide at the uh, wide receiver position. I just is it possible that Leonard Fournette? is going to be able to rack up another 100-target season. Does he need another 100-target season to be able to be effective if we see a little bit of the positive touchdown regression? What do you think? Where are you on Leonard Fournette? One to ten scale, how how, how much do you trust him? I, I kind of trust I would say eight. Um, eight out of ten. I mean, he's obviously the – uh, the back there. He's going to start. He's going to get the goal line carries, that sort of thing. Um, and you're right. You make a great point, especially, you know, with Chris Thompson and, and everything else that the, the Jaguars have done this off season, probably not going to get that hundred targets again. So, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I understand that, but, um, but still with uh, in our draft, the 16th running back off the board, I'm certainly okay with that. And, um, you know, I don't see how the Jaguars have a much worse offense than, uh, than they've shown in the last couple of years. So maybe some stability there. Um, Fournette is going to be there. You got to worry a little bit maybe about some injury history, but otherwise, I mean, he's clearly the best back that they have there. And you don't have too many of those, you know, without a doubt, non-committee running backs um, in the NFL. And to get him where I did, I, I think, you know, I've, I've got to be pretty happy with that. And uh, in terms of confidence, yeah, I think Fournette is going to get a ton of touches this year. Yeah, he's he's going to he's he's in a contract year, even if they don't like him that much. And they and they were looking right. to trade him, Run him into like, the ground. Yeah. It's just like give give Leonard the run. And, you know, I was um, I asked Doug Marone at the combine whenever we had the podium availabilities. I was just like. Is it like how is it possible? There, I believe he only scored th- it was three three touchdowns last. I was like, how did like yeah. are we going to see that bounce back? You know, yeah, three 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 touchdowns last season. I was I was like, are we going to see like was that just bad luck? And he's like, he's like, man, our whole team had bad luck. Our whole team needed to score more touchdowns. Yeah. If we get going, what we want to get going next year. Uh, yeah, Leonard's going to score a lot more touchdowns. Uh, you know, uh, all these guys are going to score a lot more touchdowns because we didn't score enough to we didn't score enough touchdowns last year. So. um It'll be that'll be interesting to see and interesting to follow. I'm not sure I'm quite at eight with him, but I, I think I, I think that the industry consensus is, is a good bit lower than that. And mm-hmm. I think I'm somewhere between you and industry. I'm higher than industry consensus, maybe not quite to an, to an eight. Um, what about uh, let's see some of these other guys that people are have a little bit of worry about. What about James Conner? Where can you be with him? Another guy whose contract's going to be up, headed for free agency. That um, they did draft Anthony McFarlane, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is uh, another one of these sort of smaller, maybe scat back types, sort of a one B satellite back that yeah. over the course of a few games could maybe handle the load. But I have a trouble thinking he could, he could do it for the whole season. I have, feel the same way about Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels, who's also there in tow. They they took Benny Snell last year, who had a bad athletic profile, but maybe profiles a little bit more as a guy who could 
uh, step up and shoulder more of a load just because of his size. If anything happened to James Conner, but we hear Mike Tomlin talk about the fact that you know Conner's the guy. We're going to and yeah. Tomlin over the course of the, I mean, going back to even times whenever Le'Veon Bell would get hurt and they'd have to go to D'Angelo Williams. It's just there's just always been one steady producer there. Feels like people are kind of sleeping on James Conner. He's available pretty late in these drafts, Steve. Uh, what's your what's your level of confidence there with him? Yeah, I, I think six and a half or seven. I mean, you you know, you're going to have Ben Roethlisberger back for for a full season too, and you know that makes a difference in the offense. He's, he's certainly better than Mason Rudolph at, oh, as your quarterback, so that opens things up. Um, you got the wide re- wide receiving core, pretty solid. So yeah, I think James Conner has a really high ceiling, and uh, you know we've seen what a running back can do, especially a guy that catches passes out of the backfield. There, when Le'Veon Bell was there, Conner has shown flashes of that. The problem with him is just you know the injury history and staying healthy. If he can stay on the field. I think you've got a potential steal if you can get him, you know, later in the draft in that, you know, fourth, fifth round kind of area. Yeah. Um, I, I think while my confidence level may not be uh, that high of him staying healthy, I think certainly the upside is is worth taking that gamble. Well, you you bring up a good point. Health is probably the most important thing, right? That's probably mm-hmm. the most. That's probably the thing I should have led with whenever we talk about why, why people worry about it. Like, it's the health. It's really bad. I know our friends over at Player Profiler have the health, like the injury rating system. And I, I believe, I don't want to, you guys can go check this or check me on this. I believe James Conner was the, was the biggest risk that, that their algorithm was able to identify for, for the season. So a, 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 a kind of a sneaky, uh, sneaky health risk there whenever everybody else is worried about guys like, you know, the Todd Gurley's or the David Johnson's James, James Conner falls, falls right there in that, um, in that class. So well, speaking of David Johnson, what, what about David Johnson? Whenever, so Bill O'Brien sends away Deandre Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> it feels like he's going to, it feels like that dude is going to ha- have to at least, I mean, whatever. Uh, what's the thing I think of? <laughs> it justify? He's going to have to justify that sure. that by getting da- David Johnson involved somehow. And David Johnson to start last season was actually pretty good before he had a couple of separate injuries. You think he could be like the David Johnson that he was to start last season, or um, could he be? I, I mean, I, I doubt he's going. I doubt he has another uh, 2016 in him. But could he be at least maybe like the David Johnson we? started to see last season where I don't have his game log. I don't have his game. Let's just see if I can look at his game log from the beginning of last season. It's just hard because he's, he's not, not even in these top 20 running backs over the course. So last year he started off the season Detroit. He had a 25.7 pointer in PPR in that game at Baltimore, which was a brutal matchup an 8.4 pointer Carolina, 18.5 points, Seattle, 21.9 Cincy, 18.6 Atlanta, 28.2, and he had six catches in that game. After that, we all know what happened. It was a back injury, a separate other injury. Kenyon Drake comes along. Cliff Kingsbury says, why the hell would I even put anybody back in when Kenyon Drake scoring four touchdowns a game? Right. Um, what do we make of David Johnson? Yeah, He's getting uh, older. Uh, that's the thing, too. That the first thing that popped into my mind when you said David Johnson is that, yeah, we have to worry about the shelf life of running backs. And especially in the NFL, David Johnson's going to be, you know, 20, age 28. That's his, uh, that's his, where he is on, on the continuum. That's pretty old for a running back. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but still, 
you go, you have a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield. You know, perhaps it, even a couple of years ago, just a couple of years ago, was the best catching passes out of the backfield. And and why you know a, a, an offense wouldn't utilize those skills is beyond me. But um, I think they will in Houston. And um, yeah, I think they're going to have to justify a lot of the offseason moves. You know, no more DeAndre Hopkins, which is which is huge. So somebody's got to be the focal point of that offense. And yeah, Deshaun Watson is is going to not only hand the ball off to David Johnson, he's going to look for him out of the backfield. So I, I think in terms of confidence, again, health is huge. But uh, I feel in terms of his role, I think he has game-breaking ability here. Um, and he's getting pushed down some because of all those questions. I, I may put him up in the same category up there with Leonard Fournette, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I think there's plenty left in the tank for David Johnson. Um, extended period of, of inactivity, helping him get back to close to 100%. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to have a few shares of David Johnson this year. You ever had back problems, Steve? <laughs> I've no, had back problems. I have not. It's, I have not, oh, thankfully. They're, they're, they're bad, man. Like, I could, t- I mean, I, I don't see how you could play football with some kind of problem with your disc. It's, I mm. mean, it, it makes your body, it makes your whole body feel like it doesn't work. You know, it's just, just, cr- just crazy. So if he's over it, I, I mean, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm fine, especially given the current price. What about an, another guy with this injury issue that sounds oh, just a painful one, a hip? Um, uh, Chris Chris Carson, um, do, is injury what we what we're worried about at the forefront here? Because he he kind of you know people have really different opinions about him. Uh, Rashad Penny is looking like he's actually probably having a little bit harder time coming back off his injury uh, than Chris Carson is. At least that's sort of the reporting that we're getting. There's some reporting that. Rashad Penny is going to have to start the season on pup. Now, Chris Carson on a contract year just signed a new deal with his new agency, Octagon. Our good friend Murphy McGuire, shout out to Murphy. That's a, a, a great signing from him. For, I've, I've been told by you know, some of those guys he's going to 100% be ready to go for the season. Uh, they're not worried about it at all. And Chris Carson right now going at basically overall pick number 31. So uh, in, in half point PPR. So we're talking about running back 16 or so. Um, he's going before guys like, you know, he's going before guys like Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon, though. Where are you on Chris Carson for his current price, uh, given everything that we know? Um, and let's just say, let's just say that we think, as far as Rashad Penny, we just we just don't know right, right right now. So we just kind of bake into the idea that that's just a nebulous situation that could go one way or the other. Well, I'll tell you, the the fact that the Seahawks just love to run the football and probably one of the highest percentages run versus pass in the NFL, you have to think that Chris Carson is going to have some significant value. And, you know, they love to give the ball to him on the goal line. I, I think they're going to be a lot of, you know, one and two yard touchdown runs for him. So that's a plus. Uh, I, I'm looking at the fishbowl draft again. He was running back 21. So, yeah, he was going right around in that uh, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson range. Um, it's funny. It's, and, and that's just funny. It, it just it, that goes to that goes to show something that I've felt. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's just no, like no. in this in the Scott Fishbowl, it's it's. It's educated people. It's half analysts. It's half just crazy fans who are just really into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the people who are crazy about fantasy, 
I, I was I was surprised to see he was running back 16. I figured he would be lower because in the in my echo chamber, it feels like people are a little bit down on him. And these mock drafts that are happening, then the ADPs are happening for casual drafts. He's going a little bit higher. But it does seem like maybe the industry is just a little bit down, a little bit down on him if he's going 21 in a fishbowl draft. Yeah, and I think one of the things, Alex, is that there's so much excitement over rookie running backs. And and we see this every year, not only in, in football, but you know, in other sports too. You know, when guys come in and are the new kid on the block, um, you know, the prospects get a chance. People like to say, I want a share of him. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Wonderful upside, but he hasn't proven anything in the NFL. But again, the bandwagon, the hype train is super fast to get everybody on board. And I think Chris Carson is one of those really boring veterans that um, tend to fall down drafts. And, you know, you can pluck them off for, for what seems like a pretty good value. And again, you know, the Seahawks love to run the ball. And as long as if Chris Carson is in as good a shape as we're hearing then I think he's a, a huge potential value. Chris Carson, uh, over the course of the last two seasons, he's gotten you 25-plus points. And this, is, uh, this is counterintuitive. He's gotten you 25-plus points in PPR 16.67% of the time. That's better, than, that's better than Joe Mixon. That's better than Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. That's better than that's be, that, borderline it, first it, rounders, right? In PPR, that's be, and it's weird, it, weird because you think about James White as such a PPR maven that has these big spike weeks. It's much better than James White. It's better than David Johnson. It's better than J- Josh. Josh Jacobs has only gotten you a twenty-five pointer in PPR in his career. Uh, you know, in his short career, seven point six nine percent of the time. Like Chris Carson's done it over double what Josh Jacobs has, and like, as you mentioned earlier with Mixon and Chubb, you know, j- those are guys going in completely different stratospheres of these as far as early ADP. So, uh, mm-hmm. what is it? So, uh, I'm not going to let you get away with, with, with without pinning a one through ten uh, confidence level, though. Um, I- I'd say I'd say seven, seven ish, somewhere in there. Okay, so a seven for a seven for him, and then finally uh, the confidence level. And then I I, I got to ask you about some Redskins after this before I let you get out of here. I mean, I feel like feel like I'm keeping you along, but I got to ask you about uh, Le'Veon Bell. It, you know the the offensive line has improved. Sam Darnold hopefully won't have mono again. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bunch of good new weapons. Denzel Mims is a, as a rookie. They brought in Rashad Perriman. Chris Herndon should come into the season healthy. Darnold another year and uh, a bad, you know, an admittedly bad system. Um, could it could it be that people are forgetting that Le'Veon Bell? I mean, has the opportunity to be one of these kind of like Fournette you talked about. You don't love clicking it, but he's one of these guys that kind of, one of the true guys that's set to be a true workhorse and, and three down back. Uh, where what's your confidence level on Le'Veon Bell coming into his second year with the New York Jets? All right, I've, Bell is at the bottom of the list of these guys. That we've <laughs> I, okay. I put him at five and a half or six, and the reason you know, I, it's not that I don't like Le'Veon Bell as a as a player. I just am not a fan of the Jets. Adam Gase, it, the offense he's, in general offense sucks. It's is just it's just so unimaginative, and yeah. I mean they 
when when they had nobody to get the ball to last year, they still couldn't get Le'Veon Bell more than two yards in the middle of the offensive line. So I, I'm I'm just all out. And sorry, Jets fans, um, but I don't have the most optimistic view of uh, of what's in store for your team and uh, and your star running back this year. Well, well, what those Jets fans should those Jets fans should be applauding you and saying, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's right, so we can lose this year and get this Joker out, man. That's what you need to do. Sometimes you need to sometimes you need to just pull off the band aid. Like this, yeah. Adam and I, I think need to rip Darnold, Darnold can be good. That's the one thing. I mean, I see some glimpses sometimes and say, you know, if he had a different system or was put in a better position, you know, and maybe offensive line upgrades will help that. But still, it, it just seems like he's set up to fail. And that's, you know, that's kind of sad for a guy that uh, kind of rooting for Right. Okay. So you are from the Virginia area. You, uh, you uh, fell in love with the game of football, watching the Washington Redskins on those, uh, on those Monday night games on the couch. And I'm sure getting to, <laughs> getting to, getting to follow that team as far as the regional coverage and stuff like that. So I, I, I got to ask you some, some Redskins stuff, especially sure. about one of my, f- it's funny. They have two of my favorite young prospects uh, in the entire league on their team that you know one is a rookie and Antonio Gibson who hasn't seen uh hasn't seen the NFL field yet the other is Darius guys who's seen an NFL field but every time he does he breaks something um when he's you know it's either and it's either a it's either when it whenever he breaks it it's either a bone or it's a or it's a, a ligament or it's a huge run or a huge screen pass I mean geez man I remember the his rookie preseason the as he was getting up to speed in the game where he tore his ACL, I was like, mm-hmm. here he is. It's the truth, man. We're going to get to see it. And right. then he gets a little bit healthy. He gets like 50 touches in the, you know, in the, in the next season before he gets hurt again, looks absolutely dynamic. It doesn't look like he's lost a step. I mean, whenever he came out in that, uh, whenever he came out in that um, same class as Saquon Barkley, we didn't say Saquon, we didn't have him ranked ahead of Saquon Barkley, but what we did say is if you're just looking at a guy who's a true savant, as far as a between the tackles runner, Right. He's 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 better between the tackles than Saquon Barkley. I, I I don't think anybody with a scouting mind would say differently with how much Saquon Barkley always bounced it out to the outside at Penn State and stuff. He could make up for it with his ridiculous athleticism, his pass catching ability. What people mm-hmm. forget about Darius Geis is man, I was down I was down there in San Antonio for the practices for the like for his Army All American game, where people forget that back in high school when it coming coming out of high school, Darius Geis was he he was considered the number one all-purpose back in the in the nation, I think, either the number one or number two. But he was an all-purpose back, and in uh-huh. that game, he's go go look at the highlights. He scored two long touchdowns, lining up as a slot wide receiver, making these athletic, you know, circus catches. Um, so he, he he can catch the football too. He's got like literally everything. But then you look at the depth chart. Adrian Peterson's there. I, but I think Bryce Love is still on the roster. Yeah. Uh, they brought in Peyton Barber. They uh, and now they have Antonio Gibson, who's going to be playing some kind of role. He could play a little bit more of a receiver as a running back. How can Darius guys break out? Can he? Can he? Uh, I, you know, I always like to think that talent works its way to the top. And you know, as you were talking, you know, watching the Redskins and when they drafted him and thinking, you know, Trent Williams opening holes for Darius Geis and all <laughs> yeah. the possibilities mm-hmm. and uh, how things just went so completely wrong as they seem to be doing for the Redskins um for for the last couple of years. But no, 
all, all he's got, I mean, three knee injuries already in his career. I think that's the one thing that we just can't, you know, go far out enough on that limb with Darius Geis to say, I'm all in, despite all the talent that he's shown and, and, and everything that we've seen out of him when he's been healthy. I think just the cumulative effect of all of those knee injuries has to be playing on him to some degree, and that's what makes it difficult. So, yes, if um, you know if you can get him, obviously, in the later rounds and not have to rely on him and maybe just sort of enjoy the rewards as the mm-hmm. season progresses, I think that's the best way to deploy him. And, uh, again, as you said, such such a talent, and, and the rest of the roster, too, is a concern, but when he is head and shoulders above everybody else, when you put the football in his hands out of the backfield, uh, you got to you got to respect that. So, just let me ask you this about guys. So, w- when we talk about w- whether if we talk about where you got to take him, are you at least interested in the idea of Darius guys um, somewhere around? Because it's 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 basically I think with guys. You probably to be able to get him, you might need to consider him in the tier with guys like Kareem Hunt and the rookies like DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. Uh, that's generally where you're going to be wanting to pull the trigger on a guy like him, maybe late set, mid to late seventh in, in, in half point PPR uh, leagues that where you only use one quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you like him there, or does he or is he going to need to fall more into the eighth or later where you see you're looking at more like guys like you know sony michelle and marlon mack who now has you know jonathan taylor coming in and yeah. um you know carry on johnson who has swift coming in and damian williams who has ceh coming in it's like that seems like the next does does he belong at the top of that tier what do you or do you have him up there with the kind of the kareem hunts and the deandre swifts of the world is he somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I, I don't think I put him as high as those, you know, Swift and and those guys, the, the rookies that are coming in and taking those starting jobs. But you you mentioned Damian Williams again. Uh, I, I think, you know, right in that particular area, and I yeah, would put I, Williams I, I at the so top too. of those okay. guys that you listed. Okay. So, so, uh, but just, it's completely out on Marlon Mack. Are you out? Or, um, I I think so. I mean, he's had an awful lot of opportunity and has been okay, but um, I think the the Colts, you know, are going to go in a different direction. And that's <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, they drafted Taylor. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so and then oh, oh, so, all right. So back to the Redskins. And I and I and I appreciate you going a little bit overtime here, Steve. Sure. I just we got a big hitter on the pod, man. Want to get all the inside <laughs> good people. Um, let's let's talk about we. I mentioned Antonio Gibson briefly. My opinion is it, that's a really crowded running back room. But like you said, I, I, I'm I agree with you that the cream rises to the top. Antonio Gibson's awesome. I mean, getting to watch him for a week at the Senior Bowl, we were just tweeting. Why is nobody talking about this this guy? If you like, we couldn't believe it. Then he goes to the combine and runs a four three eight, and it was just mm-hmm. a you know, victory lapse all over here for us. So we're. Uh, little bit sad to see him go to a, a team like the Redskins that has another guy like guys that we love so much. And it feels like any touches he gets might kind of lead to a squeeze for guys. But do you let think me ask they- you this, Alex, do you think Antonio Gibson could play out wide? Do you yeah. think that that, that that is a possible role for him that would increase his value? 
Yeah, well, out of the slot, I don't think they would play him. I don't think they would play. Yeah, him out yeah, wide. in the slot. He's, He's got, he's got, he, he has, he has small hands. I think he's eight, eight and three eighths inch hands. So uh-huh. I, I think they would just want to, and you know, he's a, but dude, he's an, just how, how they used him in Memphis. You just look at, I mean, it, it looks like Tony Pollard. He's big. He's mm-hmm. super fast. He catches everything. He scored a touchdown like once every like seven or eight times he, he touched the football. I mean, he was just, uh, he was just a right. big, well, just a big play uh, waiting to happen, but just such a, a weird kind of player with the way that he, you know, he, he kind of reminded you of like how, how Jalen Samuels was, was used. Remember right. at, at NC state, they didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. use him much, but he was, he was big and, and he would, he could catch the football out of the backfield. So uh, I do think that they can line him up uh, out of the slot. Um, and I think that that's probably maybe. Yeah. I mean, do you think, I mean, it makes sense. Here's it's, the it's, thing. It's, we get a, get two really good guys on the field. I'd love seeing yeah, I just, I just, them. I remember for that brief little time when Chris Thompson was the back to own in Washington and was getting so many touches and doing so many good things um, as that third down receiving back to where, you know, people were starting him in, in 12 team leagues in the flex position. I think Gibson has that kind of ceiling and, and you could put him in there and put Geis in the backfield and have all sorts of really creative things that you could do with that offense. So I think that's uh, while, as you mentioned, the, the backfield is just so crowded. The Redskins receiving core is very thin. And no, so it is. It, you could, is. you could certainly mix, you know, his roles in receiving and rushing and, uh, and get a valuable back. I don't think he really needs to be drafted in most size, uh, regular size leagues, but um, you know, a couple weeks in, if you see the usage, might be able to jump on him as a uh, as a free agent pickup and and hit the jackpot there. Well, another one of our fa- it's 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 funny the, the the Redskins have so many of our favorite prospects from recent Senior Bowls. One, Terry McLaurin was you know b- besides Debo Samuel not this year but the year before. I mean it was the Terry McLaurin Debo Samuel Senior Bowl uh, mm-hmm. two years ago. And um, Outside of McLaurin, because I want to end with a question about him, but outside of him, are you looking to – I mean, is there any is there any interest in Steve Steven Sims? We've heard a lot about him. Or, I mean, do, do you have any interest in Kelvin Harmon? Maybe – we're talking more probably 14-team league guys right. at, the, at this point. But uh, is there anything you've seen out of those guys to make you think that one of them could possibly take another step up as, as – as, you know, I guess it all kind of depends on whether Dwayne Haskins can get it together and be and be the quarterback that they hope. But do you yep. do you lean one way if you're not looking McLaurin? Is, is is there an ancillary receiving option that we could even prospect with? Yeah, I think you're going to have to dig deep. Uh, you know, have have to uh, <laughs> okay. ha- have that sort of uh, a league where you get to the level where Stephen Sims is going to be, just because it's easy to overlook him. But the one thing I go back to the end of last season, you know, when Haskins was in there and starting. He had four touchdown catches in the last four games, and he was a nice, com- uh, you know, a component. Uh, what am I looking for? Compliment, compliment, yeah. For uh, for Terry McLaurin to where the other teams couldn't just say we're focusing on one side of the field, and Sims was was competent there. And so I think of the two, um, you know, the, the younger guys that you mentioned, uh, Sims seems to be more attractive to me. And again, the Redskins have nothing at tight end. 
So you're going to have to throw, if you're throwing the ball down the field, you're going to have to look for the guys out wide or, or somebody in the slot or coming out of the backfield. So I think there's definite potential for, for some production there, but you certainly don't have to pay up for that on draft day. All right. So Steve, Steve Gardner of USA Today, the senior uh, fantasy editor there, Steve, just go ahead and let him know real quick before I get to this McLaurin question to close us okay. out. Um, where more, uh, just hit him, hit him one more time. Hit, okay. hit, where they can find you, what it is that you're doing. Sure. Follow me on, on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And um, you can ask me football, baseball, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm open for any kind of discussion. Um, and we, we have, a, as I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, we have a publication, USA Today Sports Weekly, that's uh, going to have a preseason fantasy football preview that's coming out on July 27th. So check that out. It's going to have all the latest information, mock drafts and projections and, and everything else that you need to get ready for your fantasy football draft. So look for that USA Today Sports Weekly on newsstands July 27th. Okay, so you're sitting in a you're sitting in a fantasy football draft room. You've got your three starting running backs. You got your two starting wide receivers, and the the running backs have gone off the board. You have it now where you're clearly going to, going to be going wide receiver, and the two best available are Terry McLaurin and DJ Chark. What which which of those buttons are you pushing? All day, Terry McLaurin. No, no question in my mind. I, I, every time I watched him, and I, I got to watch you know most of the Redskins games last year. He's just amazing to watch. I mean, it, it's almost like he can't be covered sometimes, and uh, I, I really love that. So when when the ball is up there, he's going to go get it. Um, Shark is is fine, and uh, you know I think. Both of those guys, it's going to depend a lot on whether their quarterback can get them the ball in, in good position. But um, in terms of if it's anywhere close, I think McLaurin's going to catch it. So uh, I'm with him all day long. 